Just tell my pastor, brother Richard Hayes. Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, it's a blessing to be here this morning. You have your Bibles. Be turning over to Psalms chapter 4. We'll be looking at a few scriptures there in just a moment. And uh, I don't want you to forget the importance of coming to the altar and praying. I believe that uh, when you pray, uh, the preaching will turn out good, whether it sounds good or not. And so I'd like to see as many people on the altar petitioning God blessing upon the sermon as we could get there. And uh, I believe as we preach, if you'll pray, that uh, things will happen. And uh, I'm, I'm concerned that uh, the Holy Spirit would become more real in our lives and more real in our services. And that uh, we could feel him move, and he's going to do that. First of all, when we desire him uh, to come into our midst, and then secondly, when we live in a way that pleases God and he can uh, be honored in blessing us with his spirit, and then thirdly, if we'll ask God to send his Holy Spirit. And so I trust that you'll do that this morning and that God will bless and we'll go away being able to honestly say it was good to be in the house of God today. If you have your Bibles and you've found the fourth psalm, if you'll stand, we're going to read the first four verses. Hear me when I call, O God my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing Selah? But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with thine own heart upon your bed. And be still, Sheila. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. And now, God, we pray that you'll bless what's, uh, what will be said here today. Lord, that you'll give us the strength to stand. You'll give us clearness of mind to think. And, uh, Lord, you'll give us the boldness to speak the message you've given unto us. Father, I pray for this people this morning that's gathered in this house, and Lord, that you'd stir especially the hearts of your children. God, how we need a reviving of your spirit in our midst. And then, God, I pray for that one that might be here, Lord, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. God, may this morning be the time that the scales of blindness would be removed from their eyes. And Lord, they'd see the sweetness of heaven and the horrors of hell. Father, and then see, Lord, the simple plan that you've set forth that they might receive your Son. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I read from the book of Psalms this morning simply to get one word. I know that what we've read will touch the message, but primarily there's a word that I'd like to take 
out of context that we might use it to bring in context the message that God has for us. And that word is Sheila. We see it mentioned a couple of times in those few verses that we read. And I know there's much discussion in what the word means. I've heard some people say that it meant just like our amen. I, I agree with you, and that's right. Others have said it means praise the Lord and so forth. But I was reading after one fellow, and this is the reason I want to take it out of its context this morning. And he said, literally, if you went back to the old language and began to study, it meant, just think of that. And so I want to bring to us this morning a message that I believe will stir our memories and stir our hearts to think of some of the things that God has done for us. And uh, I, as I looked at this, it brought to mind some of the, what we might call simple doctrines that's very prevalent for our day. But they've become so familiar with us that sometimes we set them back on the back burner and forget what God has taught us. The devil is a master of trying to dig, uh, disguise what God wants us to hear. And so if he can take the familiarity that we have with the word of God and use it to keep us from going back and studying and digging out those precious jewels that God has hidden in those verses, he'll do exactly that. And so I want us to think this morning, first of all, about a verse of scripture that we used not too long ago. It's also found in the book of Psalms. The 40th chapter in the second verse says, He brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the marty clay. And I thought about what a horrible thing that would be if we literally had to dwell in a horrible pit, if we had no way to get out on our own. You may not like this, but I'm trying to make a point this morning. If you was down there, you would be down there in the marry clay, and it'd be made up of all the body discharges. And you say, that's a terrible thing to have to think of. Why in the world would you bring something so disgusting up? Because that's where we were in the sight of God when we were lost. And the thing about it is that we got satisfied where we were. We got comfortable where we were. There we were in that terrible pit in that marry clay. That's, you know, we, a lot of times we don't like to go back and meditate on that. Brother Van, there's some things that you and I both probably have done in the, our former spiritual lives that we'd rather just forget. 
We really would not for anybody to know about some of those things. But it doesn't make any difference, really, who knows, because God knows. In the Sunday school this morning, we read about the church in Ephesus. And God said to that church, I know thy works. And he went on to list the good things. And then he listed the bad things. He said, I know about it. Not only does he know about the church, but he knows about us. Sometimes people like to look back at those days gone by and kind of tell about how mean they was and how rough they were and in a way of kind of bragging. And I'll tell you, there's nothing to be proud of in the way we lived in those days. And to try to reveal some of the things that, that, that we did, all it does is hurt those we love. I know a man, and he was always making comments about how mean he was, and how dangerously he lived. And I don't know if it had anything to do with this or not, but today there's not a single one of his children that cares anything about God or anything about God's children or anything about God's church or anything that has to do with God. So I don't want people to know about those terrible things I did when I was in the pit. But this I do want you to know. One day God reached out and lifted me out of the pit. And he didn't do it because I was good or because that I was rich, or because I was good looking. He did it because of his grace and his mercy. Just think of that. What God has done for us, just think of that. And you know when we say, think about what God's done for us, we, we kind of think in the broad spectrum of the whole world. But if there had been nobody else in the world but me, God would have loved me enough to have went through all that he went through for me. And the same, you can make the same thing. Just think of that. How much God must have loved us and how much he continues to love us. If God had not rescued me, if God had not rescued you, you would have had to have spent the rest of your life in that horrible pit. And at the end of life, been brought out and cast 
into the fires of hell. Oh, how good God has been to us. Thank God there was a time when he reached out. I believe if you're saved this morning, you may not be able to tell the date, you may not be able to tell the time, but I believe you can relate the experience of when you were born into the family of God. I remember the night he come wandering down that old Iconium road. Song says, I can take you to the place. I can tell you about the time, and I can take you to the place where God saved me by His marvelous grace. Just think of that. How long has it been since you sat out and mused upon the goodness of God and making salvation available unto you? Christ was able to make salvation available and accessible to everyone because he purchased it with his own blood. Have you ever just sat out and thought about all the suffering that Christ went through? Start back there in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed so hard that he sweat as though it was great drops of blood. We're not going to try to examine that too much this morning, but it meant that he would have died had God not sent an angel to minister unto him. And after that, he was taken out and taken uh, up to a false trial and, and uh, false accusations were brought against him and he was beaten with the cat of the nine tails and, and uh, he was crowned with a crown of thorns and he was spit upon and his beard was plucked out. And he started up the hill with a cross on his shoulder and his body grew so weak that he fell beneath the load. And after that, the crucifixion, the nails through the hands and the feet and the spear through his side. How come he done that? He done that to purchase salvation for every individual. And therefore, he can offer it as a free gift because it belongs to him. Just think of that. Too many times we let those things slip from our mind. We fail to meditate upon the great things that God has done. So he purchased salvation. And he did it willingly. He said, no man takes my life from me. Sometimes we hear people speak and we see them write books and they'll say, Boy, those old Roman soldiers took Christ and nailed him to the cross and the religious leaders stood there and they took his life. I want you to know they didn't take anything from Jesus. He's the Almighty. 
there's no power that's able to overcome him. There came a time when he said, he gave up the ghost. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down on myself, and if I lay it down on myself, I can take it again. Just think of that. And he did. He took it again. A couple of weeks we'll be celebrating that great event. But you know what's more wonderful than that? Just as surely as Jesus Christ raised from the dead, one day I'm going to do it. Choir sang that song this morning. This one, this I, I was teasing Sister Judy back there. They went to a singing last night. She said it's one of the best you'd ever been to. And I told her every time you go to a singing, it's the best one you've been there. And, and I said that's the way my scriptures are a lot of times. But you know, one of the greatest things that we look forward to is there's coming a day when we'll have a new body. And I started to say the choir sang that song. And it's one of my favorites because the second verse. And the second verse says, there'll be no sickness then. No more sorrow. No more pain. More preachers and... and uh, I guess probably tombstones, tailors, and all of those that has to do with people who lost a loved one. We see hearts broken, tears shed. None of that will be present in heaven. Be no more sickness, no more tears, no more sorrow. Just think of that. And so, God has made possible this morning. You know, in, in your past, you've done one or two things. You've either chosen to accept Christ or you've chosen to reject Him. You're not, you can't be on neutral ground on this matter. But God has given you a new opportunity this morning. You can change the choice if it hasn't been the right one. And think ab about the results of that choice. To those who have chosen to accept Christ as their Savior, heaven awaits. All of the glory and all of the majesty, all of the wonderful things that happens because you're standing in the presence of God. What we were talking about a few moments ago, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more sickness, 
no more taking pills when you get out. Young people don't, don't know about that, but you will. But the other choice is the horrors of hell. If you live throughout this life without Christ, you're going to wind up in that place called hell. Let me share just a little bit with you this morning about hell. In the 16th chapter, we find the story uh, that is entitled, The Rich Man and Lazarus. Verse 22 says, And it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by angels unto Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. I'm not going to try to go through that story and show you all the torments that this rich man went through, but I want to share just a little bit. Can you imagine burning forever and never burning up? Can you imagine wanting a drink of water and not being able to get one drop? Somewhere or another, over the last couple of months, I've just developed a taste for water. I'd rather have it than Coke. I can remember one time when I was working high up in a tree and it was hard to get up and down, and I was up there for several hours without a drink, and when I came down and got that water and began to drink it, it was sweet as honey. People in hell will not be able to get one. One of the worst things in hell, I believe, uh, Abraham said to the rich man, remember when you was on the earth. You're sitting in this audience this morning. You walk away having rejected Christ. And you were to die and wind up in this terrible place that we're talking about. You'd remember this Sunday morning at Sunday Hills Baptist Church when I got so close to missing hell. Have you ever thought about the rich man that hung on the cross? One of them received Christ and the other rejected him. And I don't know how close the crosses were, but they weren't far apart. And that old thief that hung on the cross was that close to salvation. But he missed it. Paul said to old Agrippa, I wish you weren't almost persuaded, but completely. Hell's a terrible place. Just think of that. I've noticed as I went down through the scripture and read, God leaves no commandment to the lost individual how they're supposed to live. 
when I was still working, there was a couple of young ladies came to me and they was questioning me about some very skimpy apparel they wanted to wear. And they said, do you think it's wrong if we wear these? And I happen to know them well enough to know she professes to be saved and she does not. And I said, it's wrong for you. It doesn't make any difference about her. Because God doesn't tell the devil's children how to live. But he tells his children how to live. He tells us over there in that wonderful portion of Scripture, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10. He said, you are his workmanship created unto good works. Or for the purpose of doing good works. That's what God leaves you on the earth to do. And so the very first thing we need to do is a be assured this morning of our position in Christ. Have I ever been saved? Have I ever been born into the family of God? That's the most important thing we need to make sure of. And you'll say, well, preacher, I'm, I'm really not sure. I think maybe, but I'm really not sure Maybe is not good enough. What if maybe you haven't? And you stand before God and he says, depart from me. You that work iniquity. I never knew you. And then after you're, but if you're sure of your position this morning, be sure of your practice. God expects us after that we're saved, he expects us to live a life that is consistent with his word and that would honor and glorify his son. So many see witnessing today as a duty. And it is. God's commanded us to be witnesses. But it's also a great privilege. Did you know that there's some people that you love well that may wind up in hell because you fail to talk to them? There may be some people who you're just acquainted with there may be some people who you just bump into every once in a while and every one of them's got a soul and they may wind up in hell if you keep your mouth shut. And God wants to go in partnerships with you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yes, to be in partnerships with God. And God says, if you'll take the word and you'll sow it in the hearts of men, 
Then he'll send his Holy Spirit to do his office work with that, that word. God alone can save, but God never saves alone. Just think of that. That great responsibility and that great privilege that God has afforded us. Consider this morning, you may be the only hope of someone. You know, there are people who will listen to you that would never listen to me. They'd never listen to Brother Van or Brother Mac or Brother Bobby. They'd listen to you if you'd talk to them. And you don't know who they are, so you ought to share with everyone that you come in contact with. And then one day, here's another truth that we've let slip away. One day we're all going to stand before God. I'm almost tempted to embarrass somebody, but I won't. Just to use myself, I guess. It's awful easy to say, everybody in this building is going to stand before God one day. But then here I am, and one day I'm going to stand there. And there's not going to be anybody with me. And all of my sins are going to be revealed. You may be a slick talker. You may have the silver tongue of a lawyer. You may be even able to out-talk your wife. But if we've got any of those, I'd like to talk to you. But I tell you, whoever you are and whatever your talent is, when you stand before God, you won't say anything. Because you'll be before omnipotent and omnipotent Your life will be revealed in two facts. And I'll just have to stand there red-faced and ashamed. But I'll have to see what I could have done versus what I did. And I'm afraid all of us are going to come out way short. Just think about that. Then there's a great, and I promise you, I'm getting close to closing. Then there's a great white throne judgment. I've already went through the Christian judgment. I've seen my failures. I've seen the rewards that are taken away from me because I didn't earn them. Now I'm in the great white throne judgment. And God's bringing the lost folk along. And every one of them, he'll say, depart. I never knew you. And there may be a child or a grandchild. I was talking to a young fella this last week. We're talking about how hard it is to lose your child. 
And I'd say it's pretty close to the same feeling to lose a grandchild. There's going to be children and grandchildren, aunts and uncles, mothers and daddies that'll come up and God will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And they'll say, Van Hightower, you worship more persuasion. But it's too late. Just think of closing this morning today we have the opportunity first of all to make sure of our position and then second to dedicate our lives to doing what God has left us here to do maybe at one time you was there and you slid back just rededicate your life you've got a chance to get a new start a second chance and I trust as we, we've tried to de, uh, deliver these simple doctrines to you this morning, that God has spoken to your heart as we think of that. Ask you to stand, if you would, please. We had a plan somewhere to come. Brother Mack will be on my right. Brother, uh, let's see, Brother Bobby, you come to the, just come over on the left. I guess you two guys will be enough for a day. If we have a overrunning budget, wants to get saved, we'll get you some help. Amen. These two men are here to help you this morning. If you need spiritual uh, guidance or spiritual counseling, the altars are always open. You can come and pray. And I believe you meet God down that altar. We're saying, Brother Van, what's 280. 280. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home.